Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. against the mainstream media and said, you're going to call us racist, you're going to call us potential Timothy McVeigh's, fuck you. War. And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It is the 27th of November, year of our Lord, 2020. Happy after Thanksgiving. And I, I, I start on that. Because one of the most embarrassing things um, that's ever happened to me happened this morning. So I thought I'd start with something like that. Because it's a good interlude to how freaking broke we are. So today we're going to go over some more Thanksgiving COVID shit. Of course, election. Little bit of violence. Pretty short podcast. Not super long. Not lengthy on sound bites. <clears throat> but... I had to start with this war premise because the things I've seen over the last two days are disgusting. And, you know, it starts with the theme that those have been with the show for a long time. I talk about professionalism and conduct and honor and integrity and intellectual honesty. And though at times on this show, I display absolutely none of those as I rant and rave and curse. I'm a dude in a bunker, but for 20 years and then for an additional 16, I was in the community as a leader or in the military as a leader where you didn't have politics I've said it a billion times. The military's the best of us. I don't give a fuck if it's the Coast Guard. Even you fucking Air Force people. Living so good with good chow and nice barracks. Bastards. Um, But as an Army grunt, I, I met the most incredible people. People with PhDs. Fucking doctors. I, it wasn't what people think they are, but our media and the left are specifically look down on low skill set, unqualified pieces of shit and treat them like garbage. And, you know, you don't hear stories about vets. We've now participated in the longest wars our nation's ever seen. 
have the most casualties, not by death, but by maimings. If you count amputees, roadside bombs, mental health, fuckers like me. Basically bloated walruses because every part of their bodies are broken. And you hear nothing. So I wanted to preface as I went into the upfront stuff before we get into Thanksgiving. And just two things, just or a couple things, I guess it's more than two, that just I always put up front because I want to get them there and make sure it's heard so it doesn't get buried with all the other hypocrisy. I'm sitting on my toilet. <clears throat> Not to be crude, but doing the first turkey poop. It's always a good poop. You know I'm right. It's a crude thing, but you know it is. It's a happy poop, especially when you get older and the whole system doesn't work all right all the time. You you actually know what Metamucil is, if you're in my age group. And I see a picture from Rob Stiles. And I read this tweet, and by the time I'm done, I'm on a toilet pooping, crying. They weren't sad tears. They were happy tears. And then afterwards, as I composed myself and tried to explain it to my wife and got lip quivery a couple times trying to explain what I sent to her, anger took over. Because you don't hear this story. This story isn't talked about. It doesn't make the news. And it goes, well, it does make the news. I take that back. It makes the news in Britain, the Independent. They did an article. Rob Stiles, November 26th. This West Point graduate is Alex Adrashi. He grew up in a slum in Haiti, and he tells of how U.S. soldiers were deployed to his neighborhood following the earthquake there several years ago. He says their present was the first experience of hope he recalled in his childhood. He remembered looking at his dad and asking him who the people were that were helping. His dad looked at him and said, they are American soldiers. He looked back at his father and said, one day I will be an American soldier. His father knew the situation in Haiti was unworkable and tried for several years to obtain a visa to come to the United States. After the being denied for several years, he was finally granted a spot in Baltimore. He purchased a ticket on a boat. Him and his family left Haiti. They arrived, and Alex, remembering his dream in the slums several years prior, looked for a way to join the U.S. Army. He found a National Guard program that allowed him to join the Army in exchange for citizenship. He didn't hesitate. After a series of fortunate occurrences, he was given one of the few spots at West Point for prior enlisted soldiers. Despite his severe lack of formal education, he graduated as an honor graduate, top five physically and academically, and the top student in the physics department. This picture above was taken just prior to tossing his hat in the air, the realization of a dream that began 10 years ago in a slum in Port-au-Prince. Story doesn't end there. He went on to become a U.S. Army Blackhawk pilot and was recently chosen to attend Marine Expeditionary Warfare Center. The Independent did a story. Haitian-born West Point graduate explains tear-filled photo during graduation parade. Second Lieutenant Lieutenant, Second Lieutenant Lieutenant 
I don't know why they did that. Adrachi, originally from Haiti, graduated the top class of physics and will attend Army Aviation at Fort Rucker, Alabama. The story's from 2018. Now, to understand how hard it is to get to West Point, as a non-college graduated person, you have to go to West Point Prep. I applied. I was denied because I had a 2-7 in high school. That's when a lieutenant, when I was a young E-4, said, you know, you really should be an officer. Now, years later, I'm so glad I didn't because I was a non-com and I like being a Sarge. And don't call me sir, I work for a living type shit came out of my mouth. But what that guy went through in his life, how the America experience, A, inspired him to be somebody, B, recognized that we brought so much to his life, C, came here and had a dream and accomplished it. He is dark black. You could not at any time say, oh, he's not a real black person, as liberals do. That's why he got the leg up. He came to America and he accomplished an amazing thing. He graduated from one of the pristine colleges, prestigious, excuse me, not pristine, colleges in our country, and is a glowing success of what America is. But that story doesn't come out there. And if the story was covered by the media, they would spend a whole bunch of time about how he couldn't get here sooner because of our crappy immigration program, because he's a brown person, but you can come walk right in here from Germany. If you're white. That's how the story would have been told. I did not look. I'm sure it was told that way. So I sat and cried on my toilet. Not a full-blown Steel Magnolia cry. Okay, did I just admit I I did not cry during Steel Magnolia? But you get the reference. I did cry in the notebook. Sorry. And then when I went home, I saw Titanic at the house. I cried. I couldn't cry in the theater because my lieutenant colonel was next to me. And we both were, like, biting our tongues, trying not to cry at the end of Titanic. I don't care what you're saying, sir. You were too. I don't remember your name, but you were a hard fucker. Long story short, I cried because that is the beauty of the military. I miss that, you know, there's so many fancy words you could just say. It's just better distilled down to they're the best people. Regardless of why they showed up, regardless why they signed up, when they were there, they served something other than themselves. All working for a goal, whatever that goal was. For me, it was college. Then I got married and I couldn't do the college. And then I fell in love with being a soldier and it became a career. As my post-military career showed, moving from assistant manager to the dude in charge of 13 stores within two years. Most liberals would say, well, that's all you could do because you didn't go to college. Clearly, obviously, I, I fucking did make something of myself until the Obama administration destroyed my fucking company and it got sold. Twice, by the way. Corrupt Form Practice Act. Holder, you're a fuckhead. You had nothing. You ruined us for two years. We went bankrupt. And then you dropped the charges. Yeah, 
That's what you did, Holder. But the point being is, so many great people and no stories. And when they do tell the story, it is from the angle of the immigration or the angle of why the fuck didn't we do more in Haiti? 20 years of war. 20. We started in 2001. We're about to go into 2001, so technically 11 months from now. 20 fucking years. Maybe four movies. The Outpost. Uh... Band of, or uh, Lone Survivor, 12 Strong. That, that's all I can remember off the top of my head. No individual stories of heroism. No, because it it's not a demographic the media gives a fuck about. The media is too busy playing politics. The first one I'll segue into really... I I don't even know how to address this. It, it it was last night, and I saw it. Well, I'll just read my tweet. This is journalism. In January 22nd, 2021, they'll be just asking, what color do you like, POTUS? This non-social distancing hypocritical hack. We'll be doing live shots about how everyone opposed to every policy is a racist because the VP is black. Journalism's dead at CNN. And it's that twat, and I say that, even though I shouldn't, Caitlin Collins, the crew that got President Trump to answer his first question over three weeks, proud to be part of it, happy Thanksgiving. They're all in mass just jammed together for a photo that we got Trump to say something. Now, how it really went was this. This election was a fraud. I mean, they have Biden beating Obama on Obama's vote in areas that mattered in terms of the election, in swing states. And yet he's losing to Obama all over the place. But he's beating Obama in swing states, which are the states that mattered for purposes of the election. So... No, I can't say that at all. I think it's a it's a possibility. They're trying to look between you people. Don't answer, don't talk to me that way. You're just a you're just a lightweight. Don't talk to me that. Way. Don't talk. To, I'm the president of the United States. Don't ever talk to the president that way. All right, I'm going to go with another question. Go ahead. They have become so ridiculous that the president of the United States don't talk to me that way. Which is, I hope, what the soundbite I got. That was what it was supposed to be. God knows, I didn't check every one of them. And then you roll into this one this morning. Dan Primack, he writes for Axios. That feeling of rage when you walk by a single family house on Thanksgiving with 12 cars lined up outside it. And you know they have kids in the local school. Red State saw it. Scrolling back, this Axios journalist had zero rage about the governor of California Mayor of Chicago or Denver or New York City. That's why you probably need to reevaluate. You guys need to recalculate your industry. 
Governor of New York signs order directly leading to deaths of 11,000 people and gets an Emmy. Nothing. Silence. Walk by a house where normal people are having a meal. Feeling of rage. The entire problem of journalism summed up absolutely perfectly. Perfectly. That's, that's our media. That is our media. That's what they've always been. Ben Shapiro. The objective media blew out their credibility years ago. That's why non-liberals began using the internet for alternative sources of news. It's why they began using Facebook newsfeed, which supposedly allowed a diversity of news and information choices. If Facebook decides to turn over its newsfeed algorithm to the very legacy media source people went to Facebook to avoid, they deserve everything coming for them. The fact that Facebook has outsourced its credibility ratings to partisan groups of the left is pathetic. This is why we must keep fighting to expose Democrat election fraud. John Kerry, as climates are, only Democrats could pick a guy with six houses, 12 cars, two yachts, and a private jet to tell you what you should take the bus to stop pollution. That was a reply on it. But that's, that's our media. Why the fuck do we go to other sources? Why do I pay $45 a year? Because our media does this. Biden's Thanksgiving message. We need to remember we are at war with the virus and not each other. Now, we're going to get to the virus in a second. But this is what this guy has said. We can do something about this. I'm not playing it. Ugly folks. We've already done it. Biden calls Trump supporters ugly folks. Biden put you all back in chains, remark. Joe Biden calls a lying dog-faced pony boy. Called us chumps. Called us deplorables. But they're trying this. And, and the media's on board. They're all on board. And then you get this nugget that happened. When the fuck was this done? November 24th. I don't know how I missed it in my last podcast. I'd like to extend an olive branch to Trump supporters. I'm ready to move forward together. There's so much work to do to heal the nation. Let's be part of the solution and not add to the problem we face. My comments are open. Please reply with forward together. We're going to need a lot of humility and compassion right now. Anger and triumphalism is less helpful. Same person on November 25th. You're not surprised that Trump pardoned Michael Flynn, are you? Come on. He's going to pardon all these assholes. To which everybody did hashtag move forward. That's Alyssa Milano. My reply to her, not a Trumper, not a Republican, but after four years of you and your ilk demeaning all Americans who don't vote like you, and now calling for re-education camps, censoring, removing our 1A and 2A rights while imposing taxes that will crush us, you guys are garbage people. Tim Third, 
Hey, Alyssa, remember this? So your olive branch goes far as this, not really interested in further overtures, this in play. November 24th. Fuck Republicans. Vote them all out. They don't care about your family or helping you put food on the table. And they care about, all they care about is power and money. Vote Democrat up and down the ballot to protect the most vulnerable among us. Biden-Harris to save America. Fred Guttenberg, the Lincoln Project, a group of Republicans who want their party back and who want our country back, have a new ad. It's devastating. Please watch and retweet. I'm not playing anymore, Lincoln Project. It's ridiculous. Fred Guttenberg again. There's no floor on how low mega Republicans will go. The best thing we could do is stay informed. Do not get sucked in the universe of alternative facts. Barack Obama's calling on TV stations to stop airing an ad from a pro-Trump super PAC to simply use his audio of Obama to make it sound like he's denouncing Joe Biden. It's rank, ugly disinformation. Republican mispronounced Kamala is racist and intentional. The election was always about Russia. Kevin Dalton, you've been saying horrible things about Trump supporters for nearly four years now. Is part of this olive branch deleting all the tweets? Deidre Landot, I wish she would not, I wish she would, but not going to happen. You can't call people racist, raping, homophobic bigots for four years and expect the people on the receiving end of those comments to just come together because you guys won. Not how it works. So many gifts. Barb Flagel, this is like asking a survivor of abuse to tell their abuser that what they did was acceptable. Anthony Clark, Glad you can extend an olive branch, but I have no olives or branches for racists and bigots. There can be no unity with those who want to see people that are different, marginalized, and oppressed. Honestly, anyone a true ally would demand they change, not accept who they are. And that's where I got, we are at war. But she wasn't the only one. They all did it. But Midler... In order to put demonizing rhetoric aside, we have to stop searching for it, reading it, believing it, and reacting violently to it. We've become addicted to the rush of hating people we never met. And as they're doing this, Barack Obama said this. Um, People were surprised about uh, a lot of Hispanic folks who voted for Trump. But there's a lot of evangelical Hispanics who, you know, the fact that Trump says racist things about Mexicans or puts uh, detainees, uh, you know, uh, uh, undocumented workers in cages, they think that's less important than the fact that, you know, he uh, supports their views on, you know, gay marriage or abortion. Same people. Unity and shit. We all need to be unified, but if you didn't vote like this, you're a fucking garbage person. You ain't black. You need to give up your fucking religion, you goddamn bitter clinger. I mean, listen to the quote. There's a lot of evangelical Hispanics who the fact that Trump says racist things about Mexicans or puts undocumented workers in cages, they think that less important than the fact that he supports their view on gay marriage and abortion. 
No, they're smart people. They know you started Kids in Cages. We are fucking eight years down the road from Barack Hussein Obama putting kids in cages. And they're still lying. There's still an NPR from the time period. Child Detention Center is a headache from Obama administration. I mean, it's just unbelievable. And they can do it over and over and over and over and over. It's like a revolving door of fucking stupid. And how do they get away with it? How? It's really easy. Our media is garbage. They're so vested into progressivism and the religion of intersectionality, they're not going to point out obviouses. They're just going to worship them. So two sound bites. The first is Colbert, an interview with Obama, because everybody's licking his taint right now because it's another self-centric, I'm awesome book. And the next one is David Axelrod having a conversation with Mitt Romney. Now, I want you to remember, those that don't, David Axelrod made you believe McCain was dead in 2008 and said Mitt Romney gave people cancer. It's good to see you. I, it, is good to, it, it is good to be seen. I've been seeing you on television, but it's oh, good to see you in person. That's nice. And, uh, That's got to help the demo in some. How old are you? Are you? Are you? I am are way you, over you. Are you I, 18 not, and 54? I'm not the demographic you're looking for. Sorry, it doesn't it's count. It's too late. I apologize. Uh, doesn't count. Michelle says, "Hey." Oh, good. Yeah. Good. You know, she, good. You know, she loves you. Well, so, I've I've really enjoyed spending some time with her over the last four years. I know. And, yeah. And, and she 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 adores you. She thinks the world of you. I think you're okay. Can we just just take a moment? Can I just I don't, and I want to talk. I just yes. I just want to take a moment to, to to drink you in for just a moment because <laughs> I'm having to get used to looking at a president <laughs> again. You yeah. know I've gotten out of I've gotten I, out of the habit. You got, you got I got to warm up for Joe Biden. I don't want to pull anything when I see him take the oath <laughs> of office. You got to ease me into this a little bit. Joe's going to be great, and, and I have no Kamala doubt. is going to be great, I have and no doubt. Um, you know they're they're going to have big challenges ahead, but. Um, uh, you know, we, we've got the potential of uh, returning to uh, a, a presidency that is actually paying attention and, and trying to you know, do right by all people and not just some. A lot of announcements of cabinet yes. positions over the last two days. People I know. Guys, you know, it's a whole lot of return to the sort of uh, the stability and what's that word? Competency. <laughs> of your eight years, which is novel, which is as good as a vacation right now with somebody who actually wants to do the job it's, that they're hired to do. That's an interesting idea, isn't and, it? And have experience and have read yeah. about stuff and yeah. know where countries are. It's great. So, how you been? How you been the last four I, years? I haven't seen a lot of you. No. And it's been 
Kind of. I don't know if you've been paying attention. It's been kind of crazy out here. <laughs> we're, we're, all, we're all a little tired. This is how I want to sit. Learned that people who are my political adversaries, nevertheless, without exception so far, are people who love the country like I do and want to see a future for the American people just like I want to see. While we're in competition with one another, we can be ferocious and aggressive and use our full energy, but we're fighting for the same purpose when all is said and done. I ran against Ted Kennedy once. I disagreed with him on a whole host of policies. But we worked together when I became governor. We became collaborators on my health care plan and on several other economic development initiatives, and we became friends. Those of us who disagree with one another should spend more time listening to one another and establishing the kind of rapport that allows us to learn from one another. Somehow Mitt Romney lost that he's a conservative because they just didn't like Trump. And they don't realize the damage they're doing to the Republican Party by automatically, oh yeah, we want to side up with the people that have been fucking us in the ass repeatedly for over a year on everything. But that that interview can happen and nobody in the media puts any of it together. Nobody in the media speaks of it. They're too busy doing what Colbert does which is, oh my God, let me drink you in. Let me suck your taint. That's basically what he said. That's how that man got away with kids in cages. Which, by the way, he didn't have a choice. You can't release these kids to nobody. They came with coyotes and not the four-legged ones, liberals. You fucking moon bats. And then my favorite one before we start going into Thanksgiving. You know, the entire time Trump was president, they bashed his lack of religious credibility. I concur. I mean, I don't think Trump, I think Trump was a a lot like Obama. I don't think he was super religious. Never thought he was. I think he said he was, but he wasn't. But more importantly, it doesn't fucking matter. It's not a prerequisite to be president. Maybe it should be, as in the old days, where we kind of expected our presidents to be godly people. But those days are gone. And now we don't care. The left has done a very good job of making anybody who's religious a fucking nutbag. You believe in that fake God stuff. And then they've attacked religion on a wholesale scale because religion makes you go, yeah, I don't think you should kill a baby when it's alive. Or, yeah, you know, maybe little kids shouldn't just choose their sex and get sex changes when their mother freaking three. I don't know. Could be me. But they have propped up Joe Biden as the Catholic. Andrea Mitchell has at least said 12 times he is the premier Catholic on the planet. And here's him in a speech. And if we do, and I'm sure we can, we can proclaim 
the palmist, with the palmist who wrote these following words. The Lord is my strength and my shield. Now, we played games with Trump saying Corinthians. That was a whole thing in our media. Corinthians. He couldn't even say Psalms. A, I'm sure he knows what Psalms are, but he's an articulate as fuck because... He's got serious mental issues. But that was never pointed out. Media didn't talk about that. We're never going to two scoops of ice cream. Joe Biden. But as we let in, media loved fucking dogging, dunking on Trump. It was a goddamn job. Jim Acosta wouldn't even be employed unless his whole purpose wasn't Shitting on Trump. So, to Thanksgiving. Got to get those up front. This is a Hollywood blue check. Ken Tremendous. Yeah, he likes himself. You have been conditioned from birth to think Thanksgiving food is good and important. You never had a vote. It's a religion, and you were indoctrinated. It's not fair, and it's not your fault. There's still time to start over. Think about what you're eating. It's just not good. Your parents or relatives told you the meal was more important than other meals. This meal matters for family reasons and America reasons and nebulous other reasons. It was a big deal. You had to dress up and your cousins came over and there was no school. It mattered. And year after year, you dressed up and your cousins came over and you ate this meal, the important meal. And year after year, you still thought, why? Why is this meal so important? You had turkey before, obviously, but this turkey is better somehow. This turkey took hours to cook and everyone made a big deal about it. How great it was and how incredible the cooks did preparing it. And you tasted it and it was just turkey. And then you had the mashed potatoes and they were good because they're soaked in butter. But also, yeah, those before. You hated the green beans and didn't eat them. Someone insisted you have cranberries and you tried them and they were nasty and awful. Everyone talked about stuffing, how it was the best part of my, oh my God, the stuffing. And you have to try the stuffing so you did and it was gross and dry. And it had billion herbs that made you feel like you were licking a forest floor. And then everyone talked about the gravy. Oh man, the gravy, the gravy. So you poured gravy on the little part of your turkey and it was thick and goopy and maybe made the gravy... Turkey tastes different. At least it wasn't so dry. But why was everyone losing their minds? You had some turkey and some potatoes and skipped right to pecan pie and ice cream. And and as all the adults told each other that this meal was incredible and this meal was just perfect and we can't wait for leftovers tomorrow, somewhere down deep you knew they were wrong. You were old enough and confident enough to stand up to them, but you knew you weren't old enough to stand up to them. It was fine. Some of it, the cranberries, green beans, and stuffing was straight up gnarly. And you said nothing because they kept saying it's amazing. Now you're grown up. You control your own life. You can break out of this horrible circular trap. You can admit now what you've always known. It isn't worth it. It's not that good. Most of it's bad. It takes days to make. It isn't worth it. And this just goes on and on. Also, there's a pandemic. So just stay home. That was the recurring theme. I could play sound bites, but that was the recurring theme. Don't have Thanksgiving. Don't. Kate Brown, who I'm sure had Thanksgiving. This is her video on Play Line. Uninvite your boyfriend. Uninvite your drunk uncle. Uninvite your argument of aunt. 
your favorite aunt, bragging brother, best friend, half-sister, vegan niece. This holiday, keep your gathering small. Limit groups save lives. Ba-ba-ba. Everybody was into that. That was really good. Now this news. We're all supposed to be not traveling, and they show airplanes and all the people flying because they didn't do what the liberals told you to do. So let's look at what the liberals did. Kyle Clark, Denver Mayor Hancock, apologizes for flying out of state for Thanksgiving with family while telling Denverites to avoid travel. Hancock said he saw it as a choice between flying there or family flying to Colorado. I fully acknowledge that I have urged everyone to stay home and avoid unnecessary travel. I've shared how many families canceled our plans for our traditional multi-household Thanksgiving celebration. What I did not share, but should have, is that my wife and my daughter have been in Mississippi, where my daughter recently took a job as a holiday approach. I decided it would be safe for me to go, and I'm me and you're you, so fuck off. That, um... That was pretty much the, the whole thing. That, that was it. Go, go fuck yourself. Just just go fuck yourself. I can do what I want to do because I'm in charge and you're not. The local media there hit him. Reed Wilson, half an hour after dinner, Mayor Hancock sent this tweet urging people to avoid travel. He got on an airplane. Pass the potatoes, not the COVID. I mean, it, it's, I, listen, I, I could just go on all day about this because they all did it. There's just everybody, everybody. Unhappy Thanksgiving. Why do journos hate the Thanksgiving? How dare you celebrate the day of atrocity? Media check our Thanksgiving privilege tout day of mourning. CNN ran a whole thing on it. Curry, Indians feel Thanksgiving morning. Every fucking network. Politics ruin Thanksgiving unless you're lecturing conservatives. Blame Trump for why civility is disappearing at the Thanksgiving dinner. That was in 2019. How dare Republican president exploit Thanksgiving for a photo op? That was uh, Stephanie Rule. Because remember, he went to, he went overseas, and that was horrible. Obama had a Thanksgiving speech yesterday. He got eighty million votes. Remember that, one thousand people watched it. One fucking thousand. But they just can't stop. They're so power hungry, and it kind of ties into our COVID section. Are you kidding me? Vermont governor said students will be questioned about Thanksgiving gatherings. He's a Republican. Republican Governor Phil Scott said Vermont schools will question kids about Thanksgiving plans. Fortunately, we know some will still get together, and schools have asked for help. The Republican governor tweeted Tuesday, The Vermont Agency of Education will direct schools to ask students or parents if they were part of a multifamily gathering, and if the answer is yes, they need to go remote for 14 days or a seven-day test. Replies, you're going to interrogate my kids? 
I would tell my kids to not answer any questions about holiday refers to the contact the parent. That is manipulation of children. This is disgusting. Forget reopening the schools. Pull your kids out. Teach them at home. Abolish the school system and vote this bum out. Reason 7 trillion to homeschool. Governor Cuomo. Bernadette Hogan, New York Governor Cuomo, is having his 89-year-old mother and two daughters from Albany for Thanksgiving. The story is my mom's going to come up and two of my girls, but the plans change. He has spent the better half of two weeks telling New Yorkers to stay home. you got to be kidding me. Cuomo should definitely enjoy Thanksgiving with his family, and he can understand that all New Yorkers will too. But my favorite, and there you have it, the elites are immune just like BLM protests. And while this was going on, and they were telling everybody to stay home, construction starts for the inauguration. I guess those crowds are okay. I mean, those don't matter. Huh, that's really weird. I I thought that's bad. Then we go to our media stuff. YouTube. For indigenous and Native Americans, the fourth Thursday of November is dedicated to indigenous history, activism, and resistance. It's called Un-Thanksgiving. Then, I stepped in it. We watch the Goldbergs. We like it as a family. And these tweets aren't in order. But by the end of the night, I win. I got Mrs. Goldberg, Adam F. Goldberg, the creator, a Jewish family, by the way, his mom got involved on one of mine and everybody in the world started talking to her and she talked to me and she was me. So it's very interesting. I started, had to ruin Thanksgiving episode. We look so forward to do the white people are racist thing episode. Fuck me, liberals are fascist motherfuckers. Non-stop, never moment, rest, brainwashing, and agenda only get worse with Grandpa Biden in the squad. Because instead of doing a Thanksgiving episode, they did Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing. So you understand, the show does movies. That's usually what it does. So instead of a Thanksgiving, plane, trains, and automobile, or or fucking anything about Thanksgiving, they did a racist one. Now, to defend them, that's ABC. They have that new policy. 50% of your themes, your crew, the grip handlers and actors have to be gay, tranny, black, preferably tranny black. I mean, it was all put down. We covered it on the show for inclusion and shit. But the world blew up on this. My tweets... The series has jumped the shark. The episode was ridiculous. Had to woke enough to appease the narrative. It's an important issue, but not an episode of this show. Intersectionality cultists ruin the Goldberg. Do the white people are racist thing tonight instead of habitual hilarious Thanksgiving episode. Admit it. The people shouting Nazi for four years now shout unity are the fascist. That was me. To him, which he liked. Others... Is anyone else bummed tonight's episode, the Goldberg was a Thanksgiving theme? We need to know what Uncle Marvin's up to. I'm really disappointed. I miss episodes based on true stories in the lives of Adam F. Goldberg and his mother, Beverly Goldberg. 
We were never racist. Murray and I taught our kids a value system based on the value of a person's moral worth, not based on their color or religion. I never, ever sheltered my kids in any respect on this issue. Because that's how they made her work. Look. Another of mine, just like the majority of Americans, by the way, to her, and then we'll get into what he said to me. By the way, I love your son's work and your family. I'm not a Trumper nor a Republican, but it's been six months. We got it. Hollywood, media, DNC, think American Americans. Our flag and anthem are garbage. We got it. No more shows are needed. She liked it. Adam F. Goldberg. I have no idea what any of this means. Because he didn't see the show. He doesn't even write the show anymore. Because of the new ABC, you got to be gay thing. My reply to him, and I know this is tedious, but it's getting to a point. First of all, you're the man. The Goldbergers has been a welcome break in our house to laugh and get a break from politics. Rumor is you don't write, but tonight everyone is racist. Was not what we wanted. Marvin Turkey Day episode was a tradition for us. So disappointing to say the least. And it went on and on and on and people liking it and agreeing with me and then bashing it and her getting in. And I only had two fucking trolls. By the end of the night, Beverly Goldberg, the Beverly Goldberg, the show is written about, despite what the new show runners of Goldberg think, we are not racist nor thieves. I'm upset and heartbroken by what they wrote tonight. They need to stick to Thanksgiving story, especially during these horrible times of COVID. We need happiness and laughter. We need happiness and laughter. The same night, this is the day before Thanksgiving, SWAT, the conversation we need to have, it was an anti-police show. I mean, you knew it was coming. They're a police show. They're really scared they're going to lose their show because they've canceled all the other police shows because police are bad. I'm just going to read my replies because there were hundreds. Everybody was the same. Nobody was for this shit. This tweet they did, the conversation we need to have. The conversation we've had since May, all whites are racist, blacks who don't vote for Biden aren't black, non-prog protests attacked, beaten, burned by BLM Antifa, cities looted and burned by peaceful protesters. Yeah, we got it, CBA, CBS. The flag, anthem, America, Americans are garbage. Oh, shit, forgot. Latinos need to give up their religion and clamor for live birth abortions. That's the conversation? But within this, because they doubled angled it, which you knew they would, so irresponsible. Normal citizens can't purchase M203 grenade launchers nor can they purchase Willie P. White Phosphorus Ammo. Stop fear-monging 2A to allow Biden to take away Americans' rights. You're not going to get canceled. Stop the stupid prog moon bat narrative that everyone can buy grenades. I expected all cops are racist narrative, 
so you don't get canceled. But so irresponsible is the M203. You can't buy an M203. And a normal citizen, if he had a SOT license that you got cleared and paid oodles for, you couldn't get white phosphorus ammo. But the normal citizen doesn't know that. They think that everybody in the red state, a bunch of Trumpers, the Proud Boys, are rolling around with M203 military-grade Grenade launchers underneath their ARs. Because these are the same people that think it's a weapon of war. That's why the joke for anybody who owns a gun, the chainsaw AR, is so funny. Because these people probably think people attach chainsaws. And then to close out Thanksgiving, take a break and go into COVID. Because I I could go on for days. There's just pictures of... Every person that blew it off, uh, WAPO, Americans prepare to gather for Thanksgiving, the world watches with dread and disbelief. Thousands gather for Sunday prayer and protest at the White House. They're garbage people. Oh, and then my favorite, I forgot this one. You're white and you eat sushi with chopsticks. Congratulations, you're a colonizer. My reply, I spent three years in Korea. It was a necessity and respectful for their culture, you fucking idiot. I decided for whatever fucking reason, because I was just feeling sentimental, and I watched the Thanksgiving parade on, you know, the Macy's one, and I know I shouldn't. After... The, the tranny dudes in boots episode, which I don't remember the name of the play, and I me having to explain to my grandkids, and then me making a pro, uh, complaint about it to, you know, Macy's, like um, tens of thousands of Americans did. And then Macy's sending us all back, because I went to a chat board and found out everybody got the same reply, which is, you're a homophobe, go fuck yourself. And then Macy's having to shut a bunch of stores because all of us got rid of our Macy's account and stopped shopping there. But they got a gay CEO, so he pushed this shit. I I don't know why I watched. It was crazy boots. That's what it was. This is no shit. And I was really proud of this because I got a bunch of likes for it because it was funny. But this was what it looked like. Hashtag Macy's Parade. Check. Native Americans tribe from time of colonizers, says Hodakopti. Check. Hamilton for African Americans. Check. Puerto Ricans. Check. Latinx segment. Check. Two LGBT plus pride parade, pride parade segments and two gay bags bands. Check West Caribbean dance number. That, my friend, is super intersectionality bingo. Next level woke as fuck. And I put somebody yelling bingo as a gif. That was just the first hour of the parade. The only thing you could classify as non... Hey, this is America... Wasn't America. 
It was a Scottish bagpipe playing America the Beautiful. It was on screen for 15 seconds, and it exited stage left. The rest of the time, it was centric to each ethnicity and blah, blah, blah. Now, am I just a huge xenophobe, transphobe, homophobe, and all the other phobes? No. But Thanksgiving is a holiday to celebrate how great this country is. How lucky we are that even our poorest people live better than almost every mother fricker in Afghanistan. You don't shit in a cattle. But they can't do that. Biden's taking over, and we're going back to let's break us all down in itsy-bitsy groups and separate us all because, hey, that's, that's what we do. Lock them in their houses, separate the shit out of them, and then make them all hate each other. Sounds great. So, as we go to our first music break, NBC News' Andrea Mitchell, and we'll play a soundbite, The Flynn Thing. A full pardon for disgraced ex-National Security Advisor. Who's next? The left was apoplectic about Flynn. Yet all proof shows that Flynn did absolutely nothing wrong, and it was all bullshit. But just like kids in cages, our media's never given up the narrative. Actually limits to presidential pardon power, um, and those should really be uh, strictly enforced. Um, one of those limits, of course, is that the president cannot pardon people for uh, state crimes, and that includes himself, of course. And then... You know, the other is that, and uh, Attorney General William Barr actually testified to this, right, which is that um, if a president does pardon someone um, and it's later found that that is actually um, tampering with a judicial proceeding, that can be an obstruction of justice, a criminal offense. So that's a concern. And I think more broadly speaking, to your point, Nicole, uh, we may not be surprised. We should remain shocked because it's a moral outrage. But it really reminds me of something that Martin Luther King said uh, in one of his sermons years ago. He said, never forget that everything that was done in Nazi Germany was legal. And really, I think mm. that is true of so much of this presidency. But this is the most explicit example before us today. Well, look, um, once Mara Gay gets profound and quotes um, MLK, I can't go back to some stupid thing Trump tweeted. So let's stay there. I mean, Steve. To the Sunset Strip Somebody's gonna make a happy trip Tonight While the moon is bright He's gonna have a bag of crazy toys To give the garnest of the girls and boys So dig Santa comes on big He'll come a-calling when the snow's the most when all you cats are sleeping warm as toast And you gonna flip when old Satan Nick 
please lick on a peppermint stick. You'll come a flying from a higher place. Fill the stockings by the fireplace. So you have you that's cool. You know what, Eddie? What's that, old buddy? You know, I wonder if Santa's copped that sky piece for me this year. You know, that that one I pulled his coat about. Well, you know, Santa's no goof now. He's a cat, a real swinger. Oh, I dig that all the way, man. Why, many's the Xmas I've been out goofing with the cats till way past night noon. I stumble home to find hoof prints on the roof and a stocking full of stuff. That's right. If you've been cool, Santa won't do you wrong. Well... He even left me a note one time. A note? What you right. say, partner? That's right. Well, you know it was touched up in Magic Xmas ink, so I had to taste some rum cake before it came clear to me. But there was, in all its yuletide glory, glowing by the firelight, it was beautiful. It said, have you, that's cool. Cool you, huh? The finest kind. That's right. Like the ones I used to know Chestnuts roasting on an open fire Jack Frost nipping at your nose Yuletide cows Being sung by a choir And folks dressed up like Eskimos Everybody knows It's the most wonderful time of the year Silver bells Silver bells Ah Christmas 
Just like the ones I used to know Memories, Christmas memories They're the sweetest ones I know Merry Christmas from Flyover Politic Podcast. you're going through and the other business owners that I've, that I've interviewed in the Valley. Um, I mean, how, how does it make you feel that, you know, you guys are going through all this as, you know, small business owners, restaurant owners in California, even just last week, you have Gavin Newsom, you know, going to an expensive dinner, over 10 people, no social distancing, the rules that he put out, he's not following. What, what was your reaction when those photos got released? It feels like a slap in the face. It feels like at the beginning of this pandemic, we were all scared. You know, we no one knew what was happening. Um, it was a new virus. It was something that we all had to deal with. I have a mom, I have aunts, I have people that I care about that are susceptible. So we were all behind the closures. Like, I know every single person here, we were worried, we went home, we followed the rules. And then to them from there, have it keep getting like more excuses, more reasons and the numbers keep giving us different goals to reach and then at the same time these legislators doing what they want like you know doing what they like him being out to pay for a ten thousand dollar meal and where our employees can't even pay their rent or are gonna have to cut back right before Christmas like and it's it just feels like it's almost unreal it almost feels like it isn't the United States like it feels like two divided classes like the class that has the and like kings and kings and peasants you know like they have the money they have the power and they can live behind their castle walls and do what they like and then everyone else is down here following whatever was ordained and having to fight for scraps my it feels like we're fighting for scraps it feels like we're fighting for the hours and we're fighting for the the takeout business because that's all we can live off of right now we're allowed to fight for takeout and to go we know the vaccine is going to happen, but as we speak, people are ignoring advice to stay home. They're crowding airports around the country right now. Um, you've called for a national uh, mask mandate. Um, how much power as president will you have to influence people in ways you have not been able to as a candidate? I hope as president and many of the Republican governors and mayors felt the same way. I hope that we're going to be able to have a united voice on the need to mask, socially distance, testing, and tracing. 
They're critical, critical pieces to dealing with bringing down this virus in a more manageable place. The words of a president matter. And I think it's critically important. I think it's a patriotic responsibility to wear a mask, to socially distance. A moment ago, you mentioned schools. I want to ask you about that. New York City recently went back to at-home learning only. Some other big cities have made the same choice. What will you do to get kids back in school? How much will you be working the phones and working with governors and, well, and mayors? It takes a lot of money to get them back. The estimates are 150 to 200 billion dollars for the year would take to get safely open our schools. For example, we know that we have to change everything from the ventilation systems in schools. We know we have to change the sanitary. We have to make sure the sanitary everyone from sanitary workers right through to the bus drivers. They have to be clued in. They have to be protected. And they need the PPE. They need the gear. They need the ability to have smaller modules of classes. You've got schools closed right now in places where restaurants are open. Are our priorities correct? I think we should be able to do both. But look, I'm very concerned about the schools. And I, for example, I was on the call yesterday was Mayor de Blasio, the largest school district in the country. Um, he, is, he is in a position where it costs tens of millions of dollars to be able to safely open the schools. So there's a lot we can do, but it, it is the single best expenditure of our dollars we could engage in now is to provide for these kinds of protection. Not only protective gear, but the PPP, meaning the ability to allow businesses and other operations to be able to open and have the wherewithal, the financial aid to open safely. Well, that's a lot to unpack. And we had a power outage, which was just fucking fantastic right in the middle. So, uh, I forgot to click something on audacity that backs up whatever your project was. And I had to reconstruct everything for the first hour of this podcast. It's good time. Good times. All right. That's why we have an external hard drive. So anyway, so you heard Cuomo, you heard just, you heard all sorts of fucking shit. You heard a guy get chokes slam, which is not good. That was Australia. They literally choke slammed somebody because they weren't wearing a mask. I'm not making that up. It is vicious. Um, small business Latino saying, you know, what we all know that this is killing them. It's destroying them. And it's just not there. Uh, Let's just be honest. I checked today. Nashville's making it like we're New York and they want to go to lockdown like everybody else. Um, but when you actually get into the numbers, uh, Beds, hospitals are uh, only at 15%. The um, ICUs are at 11. And they're listing, and and I think this is really a cute statistic, and I I think if you went across across all platforms, um, and you went across all um, the media, they're running with the cases. So Tennessee has 44,000 cases. Oh my God, lock us down. Weld the door like China. We're all 
gonna die. But there's only 2,500 active in Tennessee. Which means most of those are what? Asymptomatic. And as I said, and I'm not a, I'm not a scientist. I did stay at a freaking Holiday Inn Express once. Folks, we all got it. If you got sick in December 2019, you got COVID, you just didn't know it. We probably all would come up positive or asymptomatic. So this whole thing is ridiculous. But the COVID I wanted to cover, the world went batshit crazy because the Supreme Court, five to four, backs religious challenge to Cuomo virus shutdown order. Neil Gorsuch with the right here. So at least according to the governor, it may be unsafe to go to church, but it's always fine to pick up another bottle of wine, shop for a new bike. Who knew public health would be so perfectly aligned with secular convenience? His whole statement, at the same time, the governor has been to impose no capacity restrictions on certain businesses he considers essential. And it turns out the businesses the governor consider essential include hardware stores, acupuncturists, liquor stores, bicycle repair shops, certain signage companies, accountants, lawyers, and insurance agents are all essential too. So at least according to the governor, it may be unsafe to go to church, but it's always fine to pick up another bottle of wine, blah, blah, blah. As almost everyone on the court today recognized, um, squaring the governor's edict with our traditional First Amendment rules is no easy task. People may gather inside or extended periods in bus stations, airports, and laundromats, and banks, and hardware stores, and liquor shops. No apparent reason exists why people may not gather subject to identical restrictions in churches or synagogues, especially when religious institutions have made plain that they stand ready, able, and willing to follow all the safety precautions required of essential businesses and perhaps more besides. The only explanation for treating religious places differently seems to be a judgment that what happens there just isn't essential as what happens in secular spaces. Indeed, the governor is remarkably frank about this in his judgment, laundry and liquor, travel and tools are all essential, while traditional religious experiences are not. That is exactly the kind of discrimination the First Amendment forbids. Nor is the problem an isolated one. In recent months, certain other governors have issued similar edicts at the flick of a pen. They have asserted the right to privilege restaurants, marijuana dispensary, and casinos over churches mosques and temples and nobody ran with it's only because of god and it, that fuck those muslims he didn't say that the ruling is all religion and that fucking roberts sided with the liberals on this shows george bush sucks you suck at per- picking supreme court justice because there is no way Even if you're a liberal, you can say that what has been going on is just lacking all credibility. That you can go protest, go to block parties for Biden. But goddamn you to hell if you go to church. That's unreasonable. So, of course, blue checks lost their fucking shit and they went after a woman. Because, you know, that's what they do. If you're a, a, a liberal woman, you are gilded in a cage of 
protection from any criticism, especially if you're black or Muslim. But if you're a Christian conservative white woman, you're a freaking garbage person on Twitter and in our media. Megan McCardle, very good thread. My take is that you can't require a few people, you can't require fewer people in a church than a restaurant, nor treat the right to protest it more important than the right to worship. And the health departments that try to do so are headed for constitutional hot water. John Azuzu, last night SCOTUS issued an injunction, relief, blah, blah, blah. Hold my pom-pom bitches. Okay, that's her name for now on. Amy Covey Barrett, that fucking bitch. Impeach Barrett. I promise I will call her Amy Covid Barrett. For Amy Covid Barrett. Amy Covid Barrett. It goes on. It's evil. It's horrible. And articles prior that I had in here, will the Supreme Court protect stuff? But for those that think this is ridiculous... Here's another article. There was a conscious effort to conceal what was going on, Bill de Blasio says, of Williamburg Hasidic wedding and drew thousands of guests. Says city didn't know about it until the fact. The city fined the synagogue $15,000. Notes that with a capacity of 7,000 people, that comes out to just over $2 a head. How is that an effective deterrent? De Blasio says there are further violations that will be shut down. Stephen O. Miller. Yes, why would Jews feel needed to conduct a religious ceremony in secret? Jews have to get married in secret. You don't say. Punishing Jews forced in secrecy. Oh, there's a virus. And here's de Blasio. Let me play this. Turn my volume up. Ah, where's the volume? There it is. There appeared to be a real effort to conceal it, which is absolutely unacceptable. There's going to be a summons uh, for $15,000 immediately. And there could be additional consequences quite soon as well. That's just not acceptable. I mean, we've been through so much. And in fact, the Williamsburg community... Yet, they had tens of thousands of people uh, BLM. They had motherfuckers go out for blind block parties in New York. And that was fine. It's okey-fucking-dokey, artichokey. I mean, why would you think a church is so important, you piece of frickin' filth? Why? And yet, we have rioted since May. Here's a soundbite of what happened in Toronto over a barbecue where the cops went to eat there and support him, but then were ordered to hook him up, Dano. Rise up! 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 Rise up!
By the way, he was black and they put his their knee on the back of his head. I wonder if they're going to freaking riot up there. I just have a feeling they probably won't. I mean, here, here are things. This, this is L.A. A threat of what we just heard from the L.A. Department of Public Health. They have no data numbers tra- tying outdoor dining to surging cases. They based decision off a national CDC study that didn't discern indoor or outdoor. Best info we have. Credibility. It's all about credibility. DPH was proudly, pr- repeatedly pressed by board members Barger and Hahn as to what science data they have to justify this order. Dr. Ferrer deferred to Dr. Davis, who pointed the CDC study. Neither were able to provide a shred of own data after eight months of a pandemic. No data. These public health decision, uh, officials make hundreds of thousands of dollars per year. They're paying two PR firms millions of dollars to guide their message. It's unfathomable that once again, knowing they should be asked about this, they deferred and found no data. Supervisor Barger and Hahn made the case that this order to close outdoor dining is completely arbitrary, punitive, and not backed any data. Supervisor Cool and Souls disagreed. They support the move. Breaking L.A. County Board of Supervisors' motion to overturn the health department decision to restrict outdoor dining fails. Three to two. This is shutting down outdoor dining, which has been a way for some restaurants to remain open and for some wait staff to remain employed. My most cautious COVID experts are scratching their heads over this. They do not see outdoor dining in L.A. as a problem. Alex Mackelson, Los Angeles County, is set to become the only county in California to shut down restaurants for in-person dining. The top public health expert in state and every other county has assessed the exact same health studies to determine that doing this is unnecessary. It's unnecessary. It's just like Kentucky. Kentucky doesn't have any fucking surges. But Kentucky, you can't eat in. Our favorite restaurant's about to go out of goddamn business because they can't do anything. They're doing curbside since March. And there's like three cases ever in Trigg County. Kentucky. It just isn't there. And yet, all these mass schools on TV that are telling you you're a garbage human being if you didn't do what they said. Apparently, John Carl believes it's okay to remove his mask when he thinks the camera's off. He stood up again, threw it on the ground. And this guy has done numerous nobody's social distancing. The White House is a cesspool of bullshit. Cesspool. But just like Toronto arbitrarily selecting something, uh, that's that's where it is. And and we have been living in a country with the media that's been talking about authoritarianism and fascism by the left. Here's Chris Hayes. Now, he wasn't that successful in the grand scheme of things. And there were Republican officials, many, the majority actually, who, who did do the right thing. Thank goodness. But I don't know, imagine the Republican Secretary of State in Georgia had been a complete hack or successfully bullied instead of a responsible civil servant. Or if the single Republican who voted to certify the results in Michigan, uh, State Biden won overwhelmingly. The guy on the state canvassing board who departed with his Republican colleague voting to certify, if he'd been a hack. Or if a Trump appointed judge in, say, Pennsylvania got along with the scheme too. We could be in a very different place right now. 
That's just a handful of people who could have altered the trajectory. It didn't happen. So remember, this same guy, and I know it's about the election, but it's the same concept because this guy is literally saying that Republicans, red states, conservatives, people who voted for Trump want to kill grandma. He's still saying it. Fun fact, states decide to apportion their electoral votes. They could give them all to say whichever candidate they want. That was 2016. 2016, hey, you're you're fine with that. Now, oh, you fucking heathen piece of shit. How dare you ever consider not giving all your electoral votes to Joe Biden? And in there, he literally went on about, hey, uh, they're authoritarian. They're freaking Nazis. We have heard Nazi batted around so much. It's like racist now. It doesn't mean shit. It doesn't mean a thing. You've used it so much that it's, it's just, it's just like saying, pass me the potatoes. Literally. I mean, that's, that's what it is. It's, it's just ridiculous. So we're going to go into the election now. I'm going to play PA. Once again, election's over. We should be working about the Senate and blocking all the crazy shit that I'm going to talk about in a second. But this shit's pretty shocking. So at the very the very beginning of the, uh, the chart where there's a circle that says on election day, uh, what that indicates is there is a spike in uh, loaded votes, of, uh, 337,000 plus or minus of some votes that were added in there in one big batch. So that was uh, an anomaly in the reporting. Normally, you would expect to see a smooth curve going up, not any, uh, not any big, big spikes. Uh, that's kind of what, uh, what Greg was talking about, the, the anomalies of loading and uh, uploading those, uh, those votes. So that big spike that uh, occurs there is a prime indicator of fraudulent voting. And that's 604,000 votes in 90 minutes, is that right? Correct. This is uh, 300 and, uh, 337 votes, 337,000 votes in that, uh, that, in that period of time. Yes. And when you look at this entire curve with all these spikes, can you calculate how, how, how much of a vote that accounted for for Biden and how much for Trump? Close to 600,000. I think our, our figures were about 570 some odd thousand that uh, all those spikes represent over time. For Biden? Correct. And how much for Trump? I think it was a little over 3,200. What we saw there, what I saw there, was a chain of custody in all cases that was broken. It was broken for the mail-in ballots, the drop box ballots, the election day USBB card flash drives. In all cases, the chain of custody and the procedures that were defined by the Delaware County Board of Elections an election process review were all they didn't follow one I, I, I couldn't even redline this multi-page document because the entire document would be uh, they didn't follow any of the procedures so I personally observed um, USB V cards being uploaded to the voting machines by the uh, the uh, voting machine warehouse supervisor on multiple occasions I saw this personally 
I brought it to the attention of the deputy sheriff who was there stationed, who was a senior law enforcement officer, and I brought it to the attention of the clerk of elections. Um, I brought it to their attention. I objected, and I said, uh, this person is not being observed. He's not part of the process that I can see, and he's walking in with baggies, which we have pictures of, and it was submitted to, in our affidavits, and he was sticking these USBs into the machines. So uh, I personally witnessed over that, that happened 24 times, over 24 times. Once again, from the perspective that this was the inverse, this election would never even be called. Going down statisticians and people that know. Imagine being elected official with a PAD and four master's degrees who served in Desert Storm and was deployed three times to Afghanistan, but can't speak freely on Twitter. Colonel Senator, State Senator Mastriano was suspended from Twitter after that briefing. Can't have it. It wasn't even your disputed. It was shut your fucking mouth. Only people that carried it was own. I saw it on Twitter. Here are other things. In the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, 1,823,148 mail-in ballots were sent out. You received back to approximately 1.4 million. But in the count for president, you counted 2.5 million. That number, 2,589,242, was on your government website until yesterday. And yesterday it was removed without explanation. 22,866 mail-in ballots returned on the day they were mailed. That's a trick. 32,591 were the day after. 20,000 were returned the day before. 8,021 mail-in ballots were submitted for dead people. It's probably easier for dead people to submit mail-in ballots than it is to vote in person. You had about 30,000 of those. We're checking the records of the cemeteries around Philadelphia. We just learned two days ago that virtually all chain of custody logs, records, yellow sheets, everything's gone. All forensic evidence, custody sheets from Delaware County were shredded. These voting systems are not what we've been told. They're connected to the internet and servers outside the U.S. They're connected from top to bottom. There's no transparency on how the voter's information is processed or how or where it's stored. The voting record is about to be modified and are deleted by operators, administrators, and outside threats. Operators can assign votes from write-in ballots, blank ballots, or error ballots in large numbers so they can be directed to one candidate or another at their discretion. These are affidavits. Craig Salmon, drop and roll is the tactic the DNC used. Middle of the night and early a.m., vote drop for Biden on 11-4. In Illinois, 500K. In Wisconsin, 140K. In Michigan, 100K. In Minnesota, 200K. And in Georgia, 100K. Over 300,000 ballots spike in a minute, all in minutes, all for Biden, 
and 3200 for Trump. So absurd, the crowd started laughing. 700,000 mail-in ballots that appeared from nowhere. Mail-in ballots count for 2.5 million mail-in ballots total, and the number calculation disappeared off the website. Baggies of USBs. PA witness gives explosive testimony. I personally observed USB cards being uploaded to voting machines. Now, 47 USB cards are gone. It is, this is this is just like fucking the Mueller. I mean, and Mueller, what did they do? Mueller, they just destroyed everything. After it was over, they tossed it all in the trash. Because they can. GSA head, because this was huge in our media. No pressure from Trump, but left threatened my family, staff, and pets to release money. And there's videos of people protesting outside our house, screaming, cursing, calling our names. This, this is all public record. But the media, to cover for that tomfoolery, well, they went with, oh, Trump pressured her not to give the money. Here's Tom Bevins. What a difference in four years. 2016, when the election's called, Russia had a hand in American election. 2020, a great election against all, all odds. Democracy is hard work. The work paid off. Democracy. The media guy, supposedly, Brian Seltzer, It's a liberal editorial board, Tom. Just like you have a conservative website, what do you think you're proving with liberal editorial board screen grabs? Brian, I'm not sure if you're just playing dumb or you really don't see the point. Either way, it says a lot more about your bias and lack of credibility than it does about mine. Freedom Watch. So a better election was ran under Trump and men watch than Obama's. Got it. And nobody's talking about that. That Russia didn't. What they're talking about, people are pissed, tense and rise amid scramble for Biden jobs. Everyone wants to be a Biden guy. It's so bad. Here's my long soundbite. A supercut and a couple I just couldn't say no to of how fucking awesome this Biden cabinet is. I'd like to start on the historic nature of some of of Joe Biden, the president-elect's pick. The team that that Biden has put forward is incredibly qualified, perhaps the most qualified cabinet that we're ever going to have. A historic appointment. History-making. A historic first. That's historic. Mm -hmm. Also historic. Historic. Another historic pick there. Is there any one of these picks in particular that kind of stands out out to you? I think they're all outstanding. They are experienced. They are well-prepared. Boy, how refreshing is that? And it's very refreshing. I was talking to a Democrat who just said, this also felt like the Avengers. It felt like we're being rescued from this this (laughs) craziness that we've all lived through from the last four years. And now here are the superheroes to come and save us all. This is like being at the end of the Wizard of Oz. This is like the 1980s Celtics basketball team. Trump really had the Z team. This is really the A team. Uh, The A team for the country. They are manifestly experienced and competent. The word competence has been thrown around, qualified. Very coherent. Calmness. Deep knowledge. Kindness. Deep commitment. Professionalism. 
is back. The expertise is back. And it's also nice to take a look at a group of appointees that don't look like a restricted all-white country club. Jake Sullivan, as the leader of the band, is the perfect choice. She is perfectly suited. With Alejandro, you're going to get confident, gifted leader, kind, thoughtful, brilliant. I can't think of a better person. Let me get your thoughts about Tony Blinken. I can't think of anybody better. I think tonight, maybe Absolutely. I'll be able to start going to sleep. I mean, all I have to say is, everybody look up, because it's a different way of living now, right? We get I mean, it, it is, I was perfect. ready to sing the perfect. whole Wiz soundtrack today. <laughs> This is about the least flashy team you could possibly get. They are deeply experienced, uh, they are humble, and they are lifelong public servants. When I look at that group up there, and let's put John Kerry aside because, as we know, he was the Democratic nominee for president once, but they are not political. They are just career people. They have worked together for many years. I remember Jake Sullivan at the, at the side of Hillary Clinton when she was Secretary of State all the time. And as they say, they really do reflect America. Avril Haines, she was the first female deputy director of the CIA. And when she was asked about that later on, she said she was surprised. She didn't really think of it that way. But a woman from the CIA came up to her, she said an older woman, who burst into tears and basically said, this means so much to me to have a woman to see someone who looks like me in a position like this. So it matters to those employees. And right now, I have to think in all those departments, uh, they are thinking about having these career officials I to, back Yeah, I wanted to follow up on that because it did seem like Avril Haines' comments were the most pointed of all the comments we saw. Talk about speaking truth to power, talking about the independence of the intelligence community, not a policymaking uh, community. And we know they've been under siege for much of the last four years. Absolutely, and she made very clear that she will speak truth to power, that she will tell Joe Biden and Kamala Harris exactly how she views what's going on in the intelligence community, which right now, in the last four years, many thought were was politicized and uh, skewing the intelligence in a certain direction, putting politics before what they actually saw. And I know there were many intelligence professionals, career intelligence professionals, who were upset by that. That's uh, media. That's journalism, I guess. I don't know. I don't. I don't know what the fuck that was. A massive orgasm over him. Just an orgasm. Look at these great people: Mary Catherine Ham, uh, Matt Visser. This is a serious journalist. John Kerry, Secretary of State, would take his guitar on some overseas trips. Appears Tony Blickham resumed the practice. And she shows Bluto from Animal House crushing his fucking guitar. Instead of two scoops of ice cream. It's, oh, look how good he is. Look how fucking awesome he is. These people are so great. And when they weren't doing that, they were doing, well, let's just do a CNN cut. Uh, CNN, Biden has to repair what's broken. Biden doesn't gaff. It's just him. He's a great guy. Biden greets the Biden team, or CNN greets the team. And then what was the other one that I'll just throw in there for? Um, uh, Keller. Bible quote in Senator Rubio, too mean to Biden. 
That's all CNN. Enjoy. I'd like to start on the historic nature of some of, of Joe Biden, the president-elect's picks. I mean, when you look at Avril Haines, the first woman to, to lead the intel community, uh, Alejandro Mayorkas, the first Latino to head DHS, notable given the moves of DHS under this administration, Janet Yellen, first woman to be Treasury Secretary. Yes, some are pointing to this as, you know, is this Obama 2.0? But, I mean, I'd be remiss not to know how uh, history-making those names and those positions are. Absolutely. Look, uh, Biden is following through on the pledge that he made as a candidate. He promised the most diverse cabinet uh, in history. He's delivering that. Janet Yellen, the first Treasury Secretary uh, of the United States in, in, in the history of the republic. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Avril Haines uh, over as the DNI. It's, it's, it, that's historic as well. But I think we, we shouldn't lose in the, uh, you know, uh, uh, Mayorkas, the new uh, uh, DHS um, secretary, we should point out, is a, is a Cuban-American immigrant, mm-hmm. also historic and symbolically uh, important. But we shouldn't lose in the historic nature of these picks uh, the fact that the, as a group, they're very coherent. They reflect Biden's governing philosophy, uh, and, and they are manifestly experienced and competent. What you see is Biden trying to repair what is broken uh, here and, and less focused on the team of rivals than on a, on a repair team to, to fix what has been broken. Okay, so, Jeff, you know, I was talking about this before with John and you, and I'm not kidding. Biden's tone is so measured, it is so seemingly lacking in any sort of resentment or anger about this, the three weeks of limbo that he's just lived in. And, you know, he's wanted this his whole life to be president, right? I mean, he's, he's tried many times to run for president. And now he can't even celebrate. He's handed a pandemic, uh, an economic devastating crisis, and yet he just seems like, I don't know, steady Eddie. So what's his plan now? Look, look this is exactly who... Uh you know, America elected. He has been confident about his election really ever uh, since a couple of days after Election Day. And this is who Joe Biden is. The country is going to see the person who, you know, many in Washington have known for a very long time. He's steady. He's measured. He doesn't always uh, stay on script. We'll see if he does that as president. He has a long history. Uh, we used to call them gaffes. Now in this climate, I think it's something different entirely. Empathy is what shines through really when you're talking about the economic pain people are feeling, the devastation people are feeling with the pandemic. So he is already using that bully pulpit to talk about the matter at hand, which is coronavirus. That's why he is giving a Thanksgiving Day address this afternoon from here in Wilmington as President Trump is apparently going to Gettysburg not to talk about America's sacrifice, apparently, but to talk about a fake voter fraud. So the stark contrast that we really saw through the campaign could not be uh, more different here. Uh, your ears picked up on what my ears picked up on on the substance piece of this, which is the idea of America first is gone. Uh, everything Joe Biden led this unveiling of the national security and foreign policy team with was all about America at its strongest, working with its allies around the world. That that is what makes America strong. It's just fundamentally a different approach substantively from what the Trump administration put forth uh, in its foreign policy. And then on style, I, you know, the words that were used, uh, Vice President-elect Harris at the end uh, used a lot of these words, but so did Joe Biden. So did a lot of the uh, nominees when they spoke. Truth, facts, 
science. Uh, the, the president-elect talked about, I am going to demand that these folks uh, tell me what I need to hear, not what I want to hear. Vice President-elect Harris saying, you know, Joe Biden's going to ask very tough questions of these people. So on all, those are all stylistic cues, uh, especially John Kerry's words when he said about Joe Biden's belief in God, but also a belief in science to protect God's work here on Earth. Uh, all of that was designed uh, stylistically also to contrast with what you're seeing uh, day in and day out in the Trump administration. Yeah, Susan, there was this emphasis on truth. There was an emphasis on uh, science as well. But this was time and again. And, and look, Joe Biden just tweeted, America is back, or his, cam uh, his campaign is transition tweeted that. They're signaling in a way that the Trump years were a departure for America and that now they are course correcting uh, to kind of get back on track. What do you think? Heard several of the nominees, in fact, talk about the fact that this was not about politics, that they would offer a kind of expertise, uh, a return to working together. And just as, as David said on a stylistic note, uh, I haven't heard the word service used, as in public service, so much uh, in the last four years as I did just in a few minutes on the stage today. Uh, it really was a, a remarkable change in tone and a message to the world, I think, that uh, we're not going to be treating allies as adversaries anymore, certainly. Republican Senator Marco Rubio posts a Bible verse on Twitter most every day. Recent ones include messages about respect, humility, loving your enemies. These are important themes, especially in the moment that we're in. But Rubio's daily devotions are often one-two punches, accompanied by judgment, uh, judgments or attacks. On Tuesday, just before he quoted Proverbs and urged folks not to rejoice when your enemies fall, he went after President-elect Joe Biden's first nominees. He said, quote, Biden's cabinet picks went to Ivy League schools, have strong resumes, attend all the right conferences, and will be polite and orderly caretakers of America's decline. I support American greatness, and I have no interest in returning to the normal that left us dependent on China. Now, there is certainly a debate to be had between Republicans and Democrats on some very key issues that they are facing at this point in time, right? This includes ideologies that guide, uh, guiding each party on policy, and that would include U.S. and China relations. But Rubio is also going after Biden's picks for being educated and qualified and networking with people who know about the fields that they are now leading in. This is what they are now doing, what they're in charge of. It is a rejection of experience and expertise that permeated the Republican Party even before President Trump. And for someone cynically poking at Ivy League educations, Rubio fails to note that Biden will become the first president in four decades without one without an Ivy League education. Add Kamala Harris and they're the first winning presidential ticket in 44 years without Ivy League stripes. So let's look at President Trump's administration, which for four years has been at the helm of the American greatness that Rubio champions. It's full of people who went to Ivy League schools, Harvard, Yale, Columbia, Dartmouth, Trump himself attended UPenn. Jared Kushner, the president's son-in-law and senior advisor whose portfolio constantly eclipses his expertise, went to Harvard. And not to be left out, there's two I got to do for NBC. And I know, I know, I know you got the point. But the nightly news is for NBC, ABC, and CBS went with diverse, even though I see a lot of white people, and Guthrie and Scarborough, tar and feather, 
post-democracy GOP, I don't even know what that means, and then push NBC with the guy that's supposed to be a journalist on the nightly news, Are you, you know, you need to investigate Trump. This is about the least flashy team you could possibly get. They are deeply experienced, uh, they are humble, and they are lifelong public servants. When I look at that group up there, and let's put John Kerry aside, because as we know, he was the Democratic nominee for president once, but they are not political. They are just career people. They have worked together for many years. I remember Jake Sullivan at the, at the side of Hillary Clinton when she was Secretary of State all the time. This is, in many ways, a very mainstream uh, cabinet, not a cabinet filled with uh, far-left progressive radicals like uh, like the Republicans uh, were suggesting would be the case during the campaign. Uh, this is a mainstream, experienced cabinet filled with people who know President-elect Joe Biden very well. Just uh, another quick word about what we just saw take place, that stagecraft that sort of carefully choreographed rollout, that was designed to send a message, I'm told, to the world, to the country, to the federal bureaucracy, that, as Joe Biden put it, America is back, and that rebuilding, restoring, repairing the American brand, both here at home and around the world, is a primary goal, and it's an urgent goal. We wanted a group of people who reflect a range of diverse backgrounds, skill sets, ages, a range of diverse lived experience that they would bring that to him and, in effect, make him a better president. Real Haynes saying that the intelligence community, which was discredited on day one by President Trump when he, right after the inaugural, went over to Langley and was so critical of the intelligence community and then even more so after the Mueller report, uh, they are now being told that it is not going to be political. And Joe Biden saying, these are people, this is a team who's going to tell me, this team will tell me, what I need to know, what not what I want to know. That is a big... An American president inherits a country in crisis on many fronts, including on the world stage and with a tough economy here at home. Sound familiar? Well, we're talking about the nation's 33rd president, Harry Truman, who took over the White House in the final stages of World War II. So are there lessons to be learned by President-elect Biden? Of course. Morning Joe host Joe Scarborough is the man to ask. He's out with a new book today. It's called Saving Freedom, Truman, the Cold War, and the Fight for Western Civilization. Are you surprised that more Republicans didn't speak out sooner during this process? I still can't come to terms with a lot of my friends that I served in Congress with for eight years. The fact that they've remained silent through this entire process. They didn't recognize uh, Joe Biden, who clearly won the election. Uh, and some have even suggested that there are elements of the Republican Party that are now post-democratic, uh, post-democracy. I don't know if I'll go quite that far yet, but it really is stunning, really is disappointing to see my former colleagues uh, behave this way and keep uh, keep uh, uh, having having millions and millions of Americans questioning the legitimacy of America's democratic elections. It's it's really a sad time period for us. Well, you know, your book comes right on time because I think in difficult times, the one thing we all could use is perspective. And so when Truman went in and told Republicans something that they didn't want to hear, that two years after World War II, we were going to have to confront Joseph Stalin and begin a Cold War, what JFK called a long twilight struggle. Uh, 
he had to go to Republicans who were isolationists, Republicans who after World War I uh, pulled back into this fortress America mentality and explained to them why we had to move forward, we had to protect Western Europe from Soviet communism. You announced some key members of your cabinet today, a very experienced group, a very diverse group. Clearly you're trying to send a message. Can you articulate what that message is? America's back. Okay. What about um, former rivals from your own party, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren? Uh, have you talked to them about cabinet positions? Did you receive the presidential daily brief today? Tell me about day one of the White House and day one through 100, your first 100 days. What are, you, what are your priorities going to be in those first days? Some Democrats want investigations to go forward against President Trump after he leaves office. Do you support that? And then his next big challenge, trying to unify this country. He suggested to you that he wants Senator Bernie Sanders and Senator Warren, two progressives, to stay in the Senate to help him get legislation passed. Could that backfire with progressives? And then expect him to come under pressure from conservatives to appoint a Trump-supporting Republican, something he indicated he was open to with you. All right, so let's just be honest about this. You can't have this shit both ways. You you can't have it both ways. You said he wasn't very political, but now you're saying they're not political, and that is the most absurd, fuck, crazy shit I've ever heard in my life. I mean, get bent. As stated... Democrats don't take a dump out with a fucking political plan. Democrats are the people that freaking coin, never let a crisis go to waste. I mean, fuck me. There is a thing that uh, Tucker played on, especially aired last night that we watched, of just a litany of liberal people pretty much saying, hey, yo, there's no reason we shouldn't go after climate change. There's no reason we shouldn't do this. There's no reason we shouldn't do that. That's their shtick, brah. That's their shtick. It's what they do. Secondly, we need to investigate him. We need to investigate him. Let's think about this for a second. You investigated him so much he couldn't put a cabinet together. As we were going through this, oh my God, if he doesn't start letting Biden do it, we're going to have a 9-11. Trying to go back to, uh, somehow it was Bush's fault, the Gore protest of the election? I don't know. I don't know where they're going with on that one. But the fact of the matter is, you didn't give a fuck about that while you freaking started right off the gate. I mean, what was the first meeting? With Obama. Was it to how we're going to do this transition? Because clearly the picture of his staff out front of the White House didn't look like they were too fucking happy. No, it was, how are we going to get this motherfucker? And then we went after Flynn. And it's all been proven a fucking lie. The media holds on to it. Because as long as they don't report that it was a lie, they don't look like dumbasses. Because they're the people that went on for freaking four years of, eh, smoking gun, the walls are crumbling in. It's the end of a presidency. We played it a million times. What needs to be investigated? Twitter will now warn you if you try to like a tweet flagged as disputed. They still haven't given up on the, hey, hey folks, uh, you sure you don't want to read the article? 
they haven't gone into, hey, the biggest top-of-the-ticket underperformance by any House incumbent in the country. Representative Ilian Omar, results. Biden, 328,764. Trump, 72,000. Omar, 255,920. Johnson, 150,000. Do the math on that, Skippy. How about California? The model we want to go after. California prisoners and death row inmates stole up to 1 million in fraudulent unemployment. We're going to talk about that? Anybody? No. We got stuff like this. Um, in the Barack Obama-Joe Biden partnership, Obama's usually the one who had people swooning over his sexiness. Later we know that Biden was apparently just keeping his under wraps until it was time to shine. So thanks to Mrs. Doubtfire screenwriter Randy Mimer Singer, Biden's flow of experience and qualified cabinet picks are like democracy foreplay. I can't wait for the orgasm on January 20th. Here's the problem. One thousand People watched his live thing. He couldn't get a crowd over a hundred if he tried. So they're trying to sell it to themselves. Ture, still getting used to having a president who speaks in full second sentences and thinks before he speaks. How about Joe Biden? America's back. I know he didn't tweet that. I know it's. I know he didn't treat that. People are doing art with um, Cummings and all the, the guy that just died. I can't remember his fucking name. RGB and McCain. God bless you, Joe Biden, and God bless America. Trying tears of pride for once. They're trying to sell themselves on a guy who can't say Psalms. Because at the end of the day, nobody wanted this motherfucker. They just didn't want Trump. What needs to be investigated is not Trump. It's the crap we're talking about. And as we go out in a second to our last break, and then this is America. No good shit. Kind of sad. I'll find some good shit. Google, Twitter, Facebook, 180 million suppressions? Or why the media didn't cover Tara Reid? They buried everything. This is a survey done. 1,750 actual Biden voters in Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, Nevada, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin between November 9th and 18th. Now listen to this. And, I, and I'm not copying Tucker. If anybody watches Tucker, he did a similar segment. Because this is the story. You're never going to get them to prove anything on voter fraud because they destroyed everything. Yes, yeah, so if the media reported that, there'd be anarchy in the streets because none of these people hear any of this. When you delete the guy that is talking about it, and you know the media is not going to cover it, so it can't get on social media. I mean, what the fuck? Nobody's going to hear. But listen to this. Biden's sexual assault allegation. Percent unaware. 
36% of Biden voters didn't even know about Tara Reid, and it would have changed their vote. 9% of those people wouldn't have voted for Biden. This is what they're saying. Hunter Biden scandal. 45% never even heard about it, and 10% of them wouldn't have voted for him. Harris, most leftist senator, 25% didn't know about it, 5% wouldn't have voted for him. Then the positive, 33.1% economic growth, 50% never heard of it because they didn't report it on the news, 6% wouldn't have voted for him. Created 11.1 million jobs, 40% didn't know, 5.4% wouldn't vote. Middle East peace deals, 44% of Biden voters had no fucking clue about it, 5% wouldn't have voted for him. U.S. energy independence, 51% of Biden voters didn't know about any of it, 6% wouldn't have voted for him. And warp speed, 36% didn't know, 53 3% would have voted away. You add all that up, 82% of Biden voters didn't know shit other than Donald Trump's a devil, and 17% of them would have voted a different way. That's fucking criminal. Take all the voter descriptions out. Take everything that we know is fucked up. That's your story. Yes. Why did Dominion Systems get stuck in without approval? Yes. Why did we stop voting? Yeah, I'm with you on all that shit. But the actual story is how they suppressed everything positive and how they promoted everything negative they could find on Trump. The October surprise was fucking ignored. Ignored. That's how Biden won. And as I was talking to my mom last night, last point, then the original cool yule by Satchamo. Folks, this is probably good for America. Now, I've been waiting forever for young kids to finally flip off of Let's be liberal, save the planet, I want to be a tranny. And they start going back to what kids do, not what's cool, not what everybody else is doing. And it's going to happen. But eventually they're going to see all this shit. And when he drops the hammer on 20 million illegals and then tries to systematically raise wages $15 an hour and all these little fucktards don't have a job, I'm just throwing it out there. They're not going to be happy, and you're not going to be able to blame a Republican. When he tries to take the National Firearm Act, which will be a whole segment on my next show on Wednesday, and finagle it to mean semi-automatic rifles, not even just ARs, semi-automatic rifles, and charge you $200 tax to register your shit for a national gun registry, Because I think they're reading the tea leaves and they know they're not going to get the Senate. So he's coming up with his second way. I'll executive order this shit and get the guns. Like, uh, American president. I can't remember who the fucking uh, guy who did that was. And so you'll pay $200 per gun and $200 per magazine. 
Now, as a constitutional, no, it won't happen, I don't think. But that's what he's putting out. They're going to get turned off. When he does a national lockdown and a national mass mass mandate, they're going to get turned off. Eventually, these people are going to start seeing this guy can't form a sentence with fucking spell check a thesaurus and a dictionary. He has no original thoughts and he has zero plan other than we're not going to be Trump. In the media, that will fly and it'll be like, oh, he's the greatest thing ever. But Americans are going to wake up. And if he gets 25th and Harris takes over, long as the Senate holds and we don't get the one-party plan, Dems are in big trouble. One of the things I see a lot on Twitter is people California, people here, people there. New York's having protests. People are done. And it's not Trump. And it's not Republicans. Now, granted, I'm one of those people. Why isn't Republicans stopping it? What the fuck is the Republican Party doing right now other than sucking Biden's ass and saying, I'm so looking forward to working with damn Democrats. Woohoo! They're going to get sunk in 2022. Because they can't blame Trump. Trump increased the economy, and now they're trying to kill it again because he increased the economy. They didn't give him a stimulus check. People are finding out why you're not getting a stimulus check. I could play freaking Nancy Pelosi again. All because you don't want a name and you want a bunch of shit that has nothing to do with giving somebody some money for Christmas. I don't think they understand a majority of the people that voted for Biden wasn't for policy, it wasn't for the party, it was they were done with Trump or they hated Trump. That's all they did. There is no mandate. You barely won states. It's not an electoral landslide. You got your ass kicked in the House. The media won't report it because, once again, we don't do anything positive for Republicans. 12 to 14 fucking seats is huge. And that the Senate held at 50, and the best they can hope for is 50 with one independent. If they sweep both, which they won't, it'll probably split. Warnock will win. No, Warnock won't win. The other guy, Osner, will probably win because he'll put so much money into it. And we'll end up 51, 49, and 1. Is that right? 48, 1. No, 49, and 1. Whatever. It's 100 seats. <laughs> so I guess it'd be 48, 1. We'll end up with a Republican Senate. And what does that say? They've never done an autopsy. They'll never do an autopsy. America just didn't want Trump. Yet, they had to do crazy electoral shit in five states and a system that's fraught and stop counting and do some just doesn't make any sent vote drops. And as we'll hear in another soundbite as I go out, because I just talked for 15 minutes, they stole this motherfucker still to win the presidency. 
America doesn't want live birth abortion. America doesn't want to pay for somebody's abortion. He's doing that too. And I say, other than the guns, drive on. Do it. Because an executive order gets flipped. And the more crazy, far, far left stuff they do, it's better for us normals because people are going to wake up and stop listening to Facebook and Twitter and the media and go, no, my bank account's empty, I'm jobless, but you guys got a lot of sweet Twitter cred, and now I'm going to freaking screw you in the next election. Here is another Project Veritas with an actual human being talking about fraud. Cool you. And we're going to go straight into this is America. Well, it was some programming error that people who voted early whether they had, I mean, the ones who had applied, because, you know, they, they sent out postcards to everybody in July, and you could say that you either wanted the primary or just the November election, or you wanted both. We got the cards back. We entered them the right way. <clears throat> but some people didn't return the card, so theoretically they shouldn't have been in there at all as wanting to have something mailed to them. But if they came in and voted early in Room 130 that week, before the primary, there was something in the computer programming that entered them as having applied for a November ballot. We could tell because the application date was during that week of early voting. <laughs> no, you didn't. It was a computer. I mean, it's not really a computer glitch. Some is a person. Garbage in, garbage out. Somebody programmed it. They forgot to check off, put a one where they should have put a zero, or you know, I don't, I don't know much about programming, but they forgot. They forgot to. Fix that. Well, it was kind of a big deal because people were making a big deal out of getting ballots that they shouldn't have gotten, and they were saying that we were mailing them ballots when we weren't supposed to. We weren't supposed to just mail out ballots to people unless they asked for it. But our system was saying they'd asked for it, so that's why we did it. It's the only time. But we've never the the rules this year were different. I mean, we've We've never mailed, the state has never mailed postcards to people. You had to just make the effort to find a form and fill it out yourself. Nobody got mailed a postcard before. And this, it's not going to happen again. They changed the laws because it was only for this year. When they sent out the thing explaining, like, the issue, like, was it an email or something? Or did they send that letter? They didn't really send it out until we started complaining. Then they go, Oh, there seems to be some kind of a glitch here. No, somebody worked. Oh, well, of course, you know, you were saying. Then it was too late for them to do anything. No, no. It happened. I'm going to Island to the Sunset Strip. Somebody's going to make a happy trip tonight. While the moon is bright. Gonna have a bag of crazy toys to give the corners of the girls and boys all day. Santa comes on day. You come a calling when the snow's the most. When all your cats are sleeping warm as toast, and you gonna flip with old Saint Nick. Raise a lick on a peppermint stick. 
come a flying from a higher place. Fill the stocking by the fireplace. So you, ever you, that's Nuts roasting on an open fire Jack Frost nipping at your nose Yuletide carols being sung by choir And folks dressed up like Eskimos Everybody knows it's the most wonderful time of the year. Silver bells, silver bells. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. Just like the ones I used to know Memories, Christmas memories They're the sweetest ones I know Merry Christmas from Flyover Politic Podcast 
sanction violence. That is what a group of activists is calling plans by Governor Abbott and Dallas Mayor Eric Johnson to deploy state troopers as a response to rising violent crime. CBS 11's J.D. Miles explains all new here at 4 o'clock. The thought of state troopers returning to the streets of Dallas doesn't sit well with this collection of pastors, local civil rights leaders, and community activists. We don't need occupying forces here in the city of Dallas in order to combat crime. You know, writing tickets on a West Texas speed trap is, is not the same as policing neighborhoods in South Dallas and Oak Cliff. John Fullenweider and others point to the use of troopers last summer in the southern part of the city, which resulted in less crime, but complaints of racial profiling and over-policing. They gave out more than 11,000 traffic citations to everyday working people in South Dallas, and they made more than 500 arrests. But it later turned out that even though only one out of four people in Dallas is black, two out of three of those arrests were of black citizens of Dallas. Governor Abbott announced that four Department of Public Safety aircraft would assist intelligence analysts, along with the troopers who will specialize in drug and gang investigations. Dallas Mayor Eric Johnson welcomes the help after the city's deadliest weekend of the year, with seven homicides that pushed the total to 220. We offer no pretense that Governor Greg Abbott's deployment of Texas state troopers and a contingent of Texas Rangers, which has been applauded by our own Mayor Eric Johnson, is nothing more than state-sanctioned violence. The activists argue that the city should consider more economic investment in crime-ridden neighborhoods to improve public safety. In Dallas, J.D. Miles, CBS 11 News. Why did I play that? That is the Ferguson effect once again. We're back in the Ferguson effect. Police forces are pulling out. Crime is going up. Black communities are probably busting the mayor's balls about all the murders and the killings and the fucking crime. But instead of actually talking to citizens, they go with the same fuckheads that don't live in those neighborhoods or are in gated communities and don't have to deal with the crime. It's our, it's our world. National sports writer runs fast as possible by house with blue lives matter flag. Cause now that's just like a Nazi flag. New York Times sports section brought another dose of leftist conscious raising from Kurt Streeter, the sports of the times column, who would much rather talk about politics, signs of fragile progress along streets warily taken. Um, Streeter stopped jogging after seeing the video of a black jogger, Ahmed Arbery, shot to death weeks after being confronted by two white men in Georgia. Even if felt threatened on the streets of Seattle and St. Louis was even scarier. Make no mistake, running wild black on the streets of Seattle does not feel safe. Ar, 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 ar. But who knew Seattle was mega country? Then it got crazy when Streeter showed his own prejudice against conservatives while attempting to explain his fear of bigots. So as I run, I keep in mind that present and do not forget the past. I remain on guard, scanning each street, aware of every person on every corner and front porch. All it takes is one 911 call for somebody who thinks I'm stalking the neighborhood, and suddenly I could be surrounded by police. Then what? It's not just people I worry about. As many black runners can attest, objects become potent symbols. My antenna rises when I see a pickup truck that has a sticker 
NRA, Don't Tread on Me, or Trump 2020. I spent enough time as a city reporter to understand that policing done right is an honorable profession, but I sprint as fast as possible by a house with Blue Lives Matter flag, which I view as a retort to the quest for black justice. Really? That's just awesome. I mean, would they report this week that a major fucking figure in the BLM chapter, I guess is what you call it in Chicago, got killed carjacking? No. No, we're not, we're not going to cover that. No, that's not going to cover. We're, we're just going to go, hey, Dallas trying to regain some safety. Oh, fuck that. You fucking racist. Other shit that hit the radar. Hallmark, finally a gay couple in Hallmark Christmas movie, and the bigots never seemed less relevant. Heidi Stevens. Three million people tuned in for the premiere of this show. By hour two, it was 900,000. So yeah, just like the first big gay thing uh, when Trump was president and we did a special on the rise from Stonewall... It's clearly obvious even gay people don't want to watch your shit. But I know a lot of people that aren't watching Hallmark this year because you push this shit in it. Once again, it's not about homophobia. It's about people that don't even watch the goddamn shows dictating what the shows should be. And they didn't even tune in after making all that ruckus. YouTube bows to transgender activists, deletes Candon Candace Owens podcast. YouTube thinks there's only one acceptable narrative on gender and sexuality, the leftist view. Discussions that question the narrative are hate speech. YouTube deleted two gender-focused episodes of PragerU's The Candace Owens Show. Owens discussed gender and sexuality topics such as the biology of sex and the use of gender pronouns during the podcast. YouTube removed the episodes because they violated the company's hate speech policy. Well, here's some hate speech. Penguin Random House staff confronts publisher about new Jordan Peterson book. During a tense town hall, staff cried and expressed dismay with the publishing giant's decision to publish Beyond Order 12, More Rules for Life. They're fucking fascists. They're just fucking fascists. If they... Can't block it out if they can't suppress it, if they can't silence it, then they throw fits like little kids in a sandbox. And I'm not going to play the bumper, but the only good shit thing I could come up with is this USA Today. Let me try to refresh it because the title. Past a point of no return, reducing greenhouse emissions to zero still won't stop global warming, study says. That's not what the study said. But that's how the media carried it, and then they buried it. In Norway, they did an actual study, and they found regardless what humans do, for the next 500 years, the Earth's going to raise in temperature, and then it will start cooling like it's done a bunch of times. Before we were even here. Huge study. Disregarded. 
just like transgender studies, just like every other fucking study that comes out that proves everything the media and liberals say is not grounded in science or facts. COVID. We just bury it. And that's our problem. Our problem is our media doesn't hammer the Denver mail or doesn't hammer the Denver mayor. Our media doesn't cover the hypocrisy on COVID or the actual facts of COVID. The media doesn't cover that, gee, it looks like Biden's cabinet is just corporate America, not intersectionality. The media doesn't cover that Americans at 70% do not want third trimester or 70% do not want to pay for abortions and 67% want restrictions on abortions in the third trimester. The media doesn't cover that semi-automatic rifles do not fall under the National Firearms Act. That was to stop machine guns. The media doesn't cover anything that goes against the liberal narrative. Americans don't want 20 million people to become legal in a pandemic economy. It will crush it. We'll go back to the Great Depression. Or maybe that's their plan. Because if you have a bunch of desperate people and keep offering them free, their theory is they'll vote for them. But the scariest thing Democrats should be thinking about right now is the data the media doesn't report on how Latinos are more conservative on religion, abortion, and the nuclear family. And every time you don't report the overreach towards religious institutions, Latinx, as you want it to be said, but Latinos don't, they know because they're religious. They're not you. They may vote liberal, but they're not liberal. So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please feel free to share this with your family and friends and send comments about the track by sending an email to drumroll, new email, flyoverpolitik with a K at outlook.com. That's right. We're going away from Google. After this election, I'm doing what I say. I'm not giving them their money. So that's F-L-Y-O-V-E-R-P-O-L-I-T-I-K at outlook.com. Fly over politic with the K at Outlook.com. You can get the show on SoundCloud, Pocketsetic, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, Down and Pocket Cast. And even though my script has changed, I still say Google Play, but it's not there because it doesn't exist. Remember, check out our Twitter account at Fop Tony Reed. Our next podcast will be the 2nd of December, Year of Our Lord 2020, and we will go in depth on Biden's NFA bullshit. And I'm sure a bunch of other stupid, hypocritical stuff that doesn't pass the smell test. Today, I finally get it. 
I got us to two hours and 30 minutes. I'm going to keep trying. Could have been shorter, but I had to play those sound bites. And I promise Wednesday, we're going to keep inching down to that two-hour mark. That's where we want to be. Make sure, as always, disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah, yeah. Start decorating your tree. Do your outside. Enjoy your family. Hell, I'm in, like, heaven right now. We're going to be, like, a high in the 30s with snow Monday. And I'm pretty excited about that. We have a whole week of cold weather. Going to be cranking up the wood stove. It's going to be some good time. I got about 10 packages of seasoned birch from last year that I bought on sale. And that stuff burns so good in the wood po- the wood stove. <clears throat> Plus, it's economical. It only takes like a bag and you got to fire for about eight hours. So it's going to be fantastic. But spend some time with your family. Enjoy it. Start watching your shit. Last thing, and I don't want to do a hit on it, but I wanted to stay short today. Christmas Chronicles 2, fantastic. Watch it. It's not Netflix. It's actually a family show, just like Christmas Chronicles 1. We watched it last night. It was very, very good. So Christmas Chronicles 1 and 2 at it. This year we will be doing a Christmas show, and I will feature it on the Christmas show. My friends, stay safe, stay warm, and stay informed. And tune back in Wednesday for our next show. As always, thanks for listening. Take care. Thank you for listening to Flyover Politic Podcast. Please check out our Twitter account at FockTonyReed and send suggestions or comments to email address F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. Remember, the flyover states are the backbone of this country. Never fear flying your flag and standing tall. Ignore the media hate. Ignore the fascist coastal states. Try as they might to bring America down. The patriots of this country will never bow down.